Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is born. Today we celebrate Christ the King. But do you really know what a king or queen is? I mean, if you ask me, I think uh, we may have lost any sense, really, of what it means to be a king or, or a queen. Sure, when Queen Elizabeth II died on September 8th at the age of 96, I think some of us who live in the U.S. probably wished we had a monarch, despite the fact that we fought a violent revolution to be free from King George III, who I'll admit is personally my favorite character in Hamilton, but who only in ways that human royalty could be related is both Queen Elizabeth II's, now listen carefully, her great-great-great-great-grandfather and her great-great-great-grandfather. But Queen Elizabeth II was nothing of what a monarch was in the time of Jesus. We all know that the United Kingdom is a constitutional monarchy, and that means that Parliament, much like our Congress, really governs the people in the UK. They have elections, for example. They have representatives like we do. And if the last few months are any indication, with three prime ministers in the course of just two months, their politics, even with the peaceful transition of monarchical power to King Charles III, might be just about as crazy as ours. But even in the time of King George III, the power of the monarch was very different than it would have been in the time of Jesus. Why was that? Well, perhaps you remember that thing called the Magna Carta. I bet some of you even remember when it was signed. It's one of those dates that your history teacher, your high school history teacher probably burned into your mind, 1215. Now, what was the Magna Carta about? Well, I'm pretty sure most of you remember that it was quite celebrated and still is to this day. And basically what it was is that the King of England, John, who was unpopular, was forced to make peace with a group of rebel barons. And to obtain that peace, Basically, he promised the protection of church rights, the protection for the barons from illegal imprisonment, access to swift justice, and limitations on feudal payments to the crown to be implemented through a council of 25 barons. Now, even though this was widely celebrated, the pact actually didn't last that long, and a war was fought when John's son, Henry III, tried to reissue the document with less of that content that restrained his monarchical power. Things that we take for granted, like habeas corpus, the legal right that a person may seek from a court to have the opportunity for immediate release from unlawful confinement, was part of the Magna Carta, at least for the barons. And the point is that of all this is that monarchy was serious business, um, even more than a millennia later than Christ. But again, now even another thousand years, I think we've really lost much sense of what it really means. And although we know that monarchy had been around for thousands of years by the time of Jesus, democracy wasn't a new concept either at the time of Christ. In fact, right, the Greeks had developed democracy about 500 years before Christ in Greece. And yet, neither monarchy nor democracy was the form of government that Jesus was born into. Instead, you had the Roman Empire. And although you might at first think that this was some sort of absolute monarchy, it really, in fact, wasn't. Instead, um, the, the, instead of having subjects to the emperor, you had citizens, right? Citizens who had duties and rights. 
In a monarchy, no one really has rights except the monarch. And you know, you know some of this from the pages of the New Testament itself. St. Paul was a Roman citizen. He got to appeal to the emperor, right? Nobody got to appeal to, to the monarch. Yes, that was a right that Paul had by virtue of being a Roman citizen. And now the rights may not immediately seem quite so beneficial, but those rights gave um, Paul the ability to write all those letters on his way to Rome uh, that ended in his life by beheading rather than his brother in the Lord, Peter, who was instead crucified because he wasn't a Roman citizen. Or, of course, our Lord himself, who wasn't a citizen, was crucified. Now, citizens of the American Republic, one, has rights, and if we do our duty to respect the laws, then those rights can't be taken away. However, in a monarchy, there really aren't exactly any laws except the decrees of the king or the queen. So you can basically do whatever you want as long as the monarch hasn't said otherwise. In fact, some claim that monarchies provided more freedom than our present governments. That's not a direction I really want to go in today's discussion, but I just wanted to point that out. Instead, I want us to focus on understanding that Christ is our king and what it means that he's our king. In an absolute monarchy, the kind of monarch that would have been understood at the time of Christ, the people really didn't have any say. There wasn't any voting. There was no Twitter, no free speech. Criticizing the government, the monarch, could get you pretty swiftly killed. It was a world of put up and shut up. And for us American Christians, I think we struggle with this concept way more than we can even begin to understand. Jesus Christ is king. Now, we, we all go around saying he's Lord without batting an eye. But try to put Jesus Christ as king on a bumper sticker. I'm guessing there's going to be some backlash, or at least they won't sell, sell very well. I mean, but Jesus isn't a representative, a senator, a president. We don't vote every few years to decide whether we like his rule. In fact, just like the absolute monarchies of old, we don't get a bit of say. We don't get to say whether we like what he has to say or the laws he lays down. We just have to accept them. And the consequence of denying them, just as in the days of old, is death. But let's be clear. Unlike, let's call them our secular monarchs, our spiritual monarch, Jesus Christ, is not capricious. He's told us the law from the beginning. And to anyone who hears his laws, his decrees, we can recognize them as absolutely equitable, absolutely fair, absolutely loving. In fact, one of the most distinguishing features of the Jewish law was that the secular monarch was subject to the law. It didn't apply, that was that's unheard of, right, in terms of um, old law codes. The king could always just do what they wanted. They could just, the law didn't matter. So to deny or criticize these decrees is to bring shame on ourselves, as they are so self-evidently right that it would be ridiculous to disagree. And yet, because of the darkness that sin brings into our lives, say uh, that we want to say, oh, Jesus, surely, you know, we can bend these rules a little bit, right? I mean, a little white lie doesn't hurt anybody. A glance at that attractive man or woman doesn't hurt, right? I'm righteous to be angry when someone cuts me off in traffic, right? What's wrong with wishing 
I could have the same things as everybody else. But all these things, right, to some degree or more, are breaking the decrees of our king. And most of all, in the context of today's atmosphere, we, we, we get to say what Christianity means for me, right? No. This is a monarchy. We're not citizens of heaven. We don't get to decide what Christianity means for me. We're subjects of the kingdom of heaven. And no matter how much we want to say, and as modern persons in a modern secular society, I'm sure you think you have a right to say, but I'm here to tell you in no uncertain terms, no, you don't. You gave up your right to free speech, your right to do this, that, or whatever. The moment you walked in this door, if you were really here to follow Christ, Christ the King. There are no elections, no constitution, no republic, no representatives, no bureaucracy, no president, no political ads, thanks be to God. There is Jesus Christ, our King. And what he says goes, whether we like it or not. But do you really understand that you don't get to vote? Do you really understand that you don't have a say? Do you really get that you have to do what the King says, whether you like it or not? Really? Because I know that in our society, even as your priest, I find such concepts challenging, and that's why I'm challenging you with them today. And yet I want to mention there are benefits of being in a monarchy, in Jesus' monarchy. We can start with, you know, no Twitter, no political ads, no phone calls, but that alone sounds pretty nice, especially the last few weeks, right? But okay, first, you don't need to think so much. Yes, we don't always like it when someone tells us what to do. But there is a certain ease in just doing what someone's told. That is to say, there is remarkable freedom in obedience. I'm sure many of the oblates at the monastery can tell you about that freedom that they have from being obedient. Second, that obedience is especially freeing when the person telling you what to do is benevolent and cares about your every need, every hair on your head. It Queen Elizabeth II or King George care what, every, what the need of every subject was? No. I mean, even if they, some of them were generally benevolent monarchs who really tried their best, they could, of course, never compete or compare to Jesus Christ. Third, we have no rights, but we also have no responsibilities. Now let that sink in for a minute. Yes, we have to follow the king's decrees or we'll end up dead. But we're not citizens. We don't have rights that come with duties. All the benefits of being in the kingdom are simply gifts. We don't have to work hard to realize the kingdom of God as we do the American dream. It's already given to us freely. And here I also want to be sure to mention that God doesn't kill us because we don't follow his laws. That's how a lot of people view our loving God, as some angry God flinging lightning bolts from the heavens like Zeus. No, that's not how God works. God has given us a law to protect us, to care for us, and to help us care for each other. God in his kindness has pulled back the curtain on how this universe he created works and shown us that a failure to live up to the law has natural consequences, that sin leads to death is like the fact an apple will fall to the ground from a tree. 
yet we choose to believe we're citizens of the world, and that distorted view is literally killing us. So today, as you come to the altar rail, recognize that you are bowing your knee not only to your Lord, but your King, and embrace what that means. Set aside your ideas that you get to vote in the Republic of Heaven, and instead recognize and accept that you're subject of our King and Jesus Christ himself. When you leave his court today and go out into the world, remember you are his herald and spread and bear his good news of love, forgiveness to every corner of your world. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.